Mr. Chethro, how are you doing, sir? Doing good. How are you, developer of Thorn Chain? <laughs> okay. I, uh, all right, you have to like help me out here because I'm an old man and I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about with this whole corn on the thorn. <laughs> I, I'm such an old guy. Like I'm, you know, I have no idea what the fuck y'all talking about. So it was <clears throat> in that screenshot where with, with Trust Wallet where it was saying that they were going to be integrating. It literally said, "Yes, we are integrating with Thorn Chain, <laughs> not Thor Chain." So since then, now now Thorn Chain Thorn Chain is the new meme, and then somebody threw out uh, corn on Thorn, Thor, uh, Bitcoin Thorn Chain. Yeah, it's just <laughs> you can put the pieces together. <laughs> oh, now I actually get the origins. I was confused. All right, yeah, it's more of a level. Yep. It's more of a level two meme. You know, you, you have to you have to be aware of the. Uh, you know the the level one, and then it you know dives a little deeper down. So I th- I think you've just graduated to to level two on the iceberg. <laughs> I appreciate that. I need I needed somebody to sit me down and and explain to my dumbass what the hell this thorn thing was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this would be a cool episode. We actually have uh, some people up from Dash. Uh, so after we go through just a couple things at the beginning, uh, we'll get. Uh, some folks up from the uh, from the Dash community uh, just to talk about Dash a little bit, and because uh, I'm pretty curious to learn more about Dash myself, and I'm sure you guys have some questions too. Like, uh, you know, I just want to learn a little bit today, so that'll be cool. Yeah, it should be great. Cool to talk with other ecosystems and you know teams that are working on integrations. So, uh, yeah, I'm also curious to learn more. I don't know a whole lot about Dash, so that'll be cool. Yeah, I actually kind of like the idea of doing this more in the future. Like, whenever we're, there's some chain that's being talked about. Uh, integrating and like part of the process, I guess, is just to get the community behind adding, you know, Dash or whatever the chain might be and uh, getting, you know, support from the community and support from the validators. And, and part of that process is probably just, you know, talking to the community and getting them informed about what Dash does and what, what its value is and why they're, you know, a good chain to add to Thor chain, blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. Also, I'm looking down at the bottom of the space right now. There's like new features and stuff like that. Uh, you can like clip a, you, you can make a clip of like a voice clip from the space like you can clip 30 seconds and post just like a 30 second voice clip to to the timeline or something like that um, and you can also if you comment under the uh the original post of the of the space announcement um or maybe everyone can click the bottom in the bottom right there's like a little chat bubble thing i'm not sure if it appears for everybody uh it looks like you can comment people everyone can actually like read like text comments if you're not up on stage Oh, nice. It just looks like there's some cool new features. So if, if Spaces actually starts working, then it might actually be good. That clip feature is great. I remember we were trying to do that manually for a while, but it was a lot of work. So if people listening ever think like a particular chunk is uh, super on fire, you know, like note the time and then we can get that clip shared out after. That's a great feature. Alpha drop t- tool. That's basically what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Purely for crypto spaces. No, no, not for the rest of the Twitter. No, no. Of course not. <laughs> What's the rest of Twitter use spaces for? I, I don't think they actually do anything interesting with it. <laughs> not, not like the Thorchain Weekly Update spaces. There's no such thing as non-crypto Twitter. Everything is around crypto. <laughs> I don't know. If you, if you like click the spaces tab and just like browse the random ones, I mean, there's some weird shit going on. <laughs> <laughs> Half the shit I'm like, oh, I better not go in there. My wife wouldn't like it. <laughs> All right, let's get into some of the stuff that's happened this week. Uh, so first, uh, we had a there's a practice pause on, on the network to test if the uh, the chain pause feature was was functioning correctly. Chad, you want to talk a little bit about the 
about the chain pause that happened successfully? Yeah, yeah. So um, this is one of the features we added to the network uh, after the kind of exploits we had in the early days of our beta. And part of it was just like the idea that that while a, a mere admin had the ability to, to pause trading or, or halt a particular tra- chain or whatever, the idea was that to allow, you know, the the community as a whole to be able to do it, not just be reliant on, you know, some some uh, person individual. So, as a push towards decentralization, and we had to think about like how to implement this in a way that wouldn't be destructive, right? And there's really two elements to it. Is one is you have to make sure that when they do pause things, they, they pause everything, and so you can't get to a place where you will allow people to pause. Like, oh, this one wallet doesn't look good to me. I'm going to pause this one person's transaction or or something like this. That that becomes censorship at that point, right? Because you're allowing individuals to to to, to like censor specific individuals, and so allowing people to just to pause everything. It's really been designed to be more like a code red kind of button, where something is really wrong, and we just want to make make sure what's going on is is, is good, and if it's not, we can kind of roll things back or fix it. So that was like the the idea of it in the beginning, and so in order to make sure that it wouldn't it wouldn't become harmful to the to the to the project itself, and not have like individual node operators become malicious um you're only each node operator is only allowed to do it once per turn so basically once per week where you can either do a make pause or make resume and so if one person becomes malicious and says i'm just going to be a dick and you know pause everything for no good reason then another node operator can come online and say no that's everything's fine nothing to pause about let's just go ahead and resume and so then you can have this kind of like tug of war between different node operators. And, and so a consensus will be reached just through that process, which is kind of nice. And so but part of the, what we need to do though, is to make sure that the node operators are aware of this and that they're aware of this tool set, this, this tool in their, in their kind of, in their Batman belt uh, to how to protect the network. So if something were to happen and, you know, if there was some exploit, or like, for example, like the other day, um, um, there was an exploit against uh, what was that bridge called? Or oh, Nomad? Nomad, yeah. Where like everybody was just like you know taking free money off the table in a sense, and so in, the, in that hypothetical, a single node operator could could pause things and before mon- money and funds are actually lost, um, and potentially even do it before any funds are lost in a literal sense because uh, upon transactions are, are, are delayed in large quantities, and so if there's a mass exodus of funds or some sort of attack that's been going on like those transactions would be slowed giving giving node operators more opportunity to to look and analyze and see if there's anything everything's legit or everything's not legit or whatever it might be and act accordingly and so we wanted like to do like a practice so probably just like once every once in a while just to have random node operators just elect to pause another one elect to resume just as a like a kind of a a, a practice to do every once in a while just to keep it in the mindsets of, of the consciousness of those node operators like this is a tool you have, you know, it's your responsibility to practice it. It's your responsibility to, to use it accordingly uh, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I'm sure people have some questions about like, uh, yeah. So, so anyone could just pause the chain. Well, I mean, to be clear, this is just node operators. You post a very, very large rune bond and, you know, it can pause in case once per churn. So once, once per week, uh, you know, in case they see malicious activity and they actually, they have a significant stake in the, in the Thor chain network just because they post so much rune. So there's incentives to make sure that this isn't being, being done, uh, maliciously. These are just tests to, you know, kind of just practice a little bit some fire drills just in case, uh, you know, something did come down the pipeline, you know, towards us. Yeah. And to this day, like we've, we has yet to be used, uh, at all. Um, and we do encourage like node operators in general to like to use it 
if there's something going on. Like if, if you see something arise and it doesn't look right, something's kind of, you know, wacky, but you're not quite sure, like it's okay to hit that, that pause button, get people online, like whoever that be, my, myself or some other people, start to kind of analyze and look at it and make sure if it's on the level or not. And then if it's everything's fine, then don't worry about it. We just go ahead and another, another operator can just go ahead and hit the resume button and we just carry on it and not a big deal. So it, it's there as a, a good protection mechanism to protect against any kind of exploits we might see. Cool. So when you said like uh, about like practice rounds going forward, like maybe electing specific node operators, is, is that how this one went down? Like was a specific node operator um, kind of like chosen to pause and another one to resume or was it more just like, hey, somebody do it? It was more like a, hey, somebody do it. It was like one of like, we, we, we waited till we, we got two people to elect, just like to, to volunteer to participate. And then two people, two node operators did that. And then one paused and the other one resumed. And the whole thing was just paused for like maybe like five seconds. It was, a, it was very, very fast. But just to, to make sure the code works, make sure everything actually, you know, does actually pause, like the, the feature actually is functional. You don't want to, you know, have need it and then have it be broken for obvious reasons. And so then make sure it can resume okay. Like just kind of go with the full suite. But yeah, it was just random, random node operators who were online at that time. They just kind of came together and said, let's let's just do a practice drill. Cool. And that, that was one of the features that was developed after the, uh, the exploits last summer. Because that, would, that would be something that, that could have protected against a, uh, you know, an excess of funds over uh, some kind of period of time where someone notices something's going on but has no control to, to pause things leaving the network. So uh, that's just one of those little security features of, of ThorChain to, to keep funds safe, LP funds safe. Right. And it kind of needs that too, because like, uh, because ThorChain is connected to so many different chains, each of them have their own, you know, um, like landscapes of, of like ecosystems and such. Like it's very, the, the ground that it stands on is much more kind of fluid than, than like, you know, a DEX on Ethereum, right? Cause it's very, very stable for them. And so there's not a lot of like movement internally in a sense, but unfortunately case, because we're connected with a bunch of different chains and those chains are being upgraded and changed and, and they're getting exploited. And, and like, there's like, there's so many things that can happen underneath it that it has no, control over it needs to take you know additional uh security steps and and and, and assurances to ensure that the the network itself is safe and, and the assets that it's secure and are also safe and so we, we actually have to take security more seriously than than most DeFi projects in a sense cool and uh one of the things that we've been talking about that's that's upcoming that is likely going to be live very soon is uh protocol owned liquidity so uh, Chad, can you talk a little bit about how protocol and liquidity works in this context and how that leads us into single-sided yields? Because uh, those are kind of complementary features. The one, the protocol and liquidity mm -hmm. leads us into single-sided yields. Yeah, so like even just the general idea of protocol and liquidity was really kind of, um, kind of initiated by uh, Ohm like a year ago or whatever it was, which, which that aspect of Ohm was, was quite creative. And so the idea behind it is like it's kind of moving away from um, – from uh, hired capital, in a sense, mercenary capital, and having you know to sustain good deep pools, even in you know bearish markets where the whole market just either pulls back, including TDLs across every DeFi platform out there. And so it's something we've been looking at and studying for actually a long time, for over a year, and we we came up with on multiple different designs and implementations of how to do it within ThorChain's infrastructure. And, you know, we, we kind of dismissed mo most of those designs for various reasons, you know, that, you know, didn't make sense for us and what we needed to accomplish and how it can benefit the network, blah, blah, blah. 
And then um, we came up with this design, um, and I think this kind of solved uh, a, a multitude of problems that we we're looking to solve. One is uh, it utilizes the capital that we currently have in the reserve that's just sitting there doing nothing, right? It's just kind of sit there and more or less kind of like a cold storage in a matter of speaking. And it's not really contributing to the network. It's not really being active or participating in any way. And yet, you know, it could be active. It could be participating. It could be, um, you know, providing a, a a service for the for the for the for the network itself, uh, and then that also would allow that capital to come in and make the pools deeper. Which is deeper pools means you know lower fees. Lower fees means means more trade volume. So it kind of creates a flywheel effect to some regard in that, in that way. Um, but then it also kind of solves another problem we, were, we kind of wanted to solve, which is like having a limitation on the number of cents that the network can hold in a secure and safe way. We were kind of very we were very um, uh, quite conservative in our limitations on on since and, and eliminated quite small amounts, relatively speaking, just to, just to ensure the, the safety of the network because that obviously takes priority. But then we realized that with uh, the protocol and liquidity that allows us to scale since in a very safe manner for LPs, like they don't take on any any, any additional risk at all, actually, um, and, and by scaling since higher, which is great because that just opens the door to a whole new world of of what we can what we can do with this network. Just kind of just really just kind of open the floodgates in some sense. And so the the first utilization of the how program liquidity kind of unleashes the since is that now we can do single asset yield, which is like I think I'm really excited about. I think the community is probably really excited about and allowing people to get you know. Uh, BDC yield on their BDC without any kind of rune exposure, which is one of the most sought after, you know, f- features of like the entire crypto space in totality. Like it's super, 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 super in demand. So like we're super excited about that. And so even as people are adding, you know, BDC to the network or whatever it is, like the network starts to add more rune to the pools, the pools get deeper and deeper and deeper. I mean, it, it's just going to be, it's going to be in full swing in many respects. And then even after that, we've been talking about uh, now that we figured out how to scale sense safely, uh, now we can talk about other uses like order books, right? And have being able to, to do limit orders on on Thorchain, which is like that would be huge because you're expanding to not only are you expanding to an entire new industry like you know market makers and, and institutional investments and all these other kind of things, but you're but you're also um, the trade volume will naturally increase. I mean, any any order book in the world, you know. Probably ninety percent of their trades are, are limit orders, and only ten percent are market orders. Which is a market order is pretty much what the swaps we're doing today. And so, like the demand for for limit orders is like multiples larger than just market orders or, or just swaps. And so, we're, we feel like that if we if we we design and implement the structure correctly, that it can have you know very significant effects on the entire space, being the only dex that exists. Uh, with order books in the entire industry that is actually multi-chain and actually supports Bitcoin layer one. I mean, that's just, that's like unheard of. That doesn't exist. No one even, no one has even been talking about that. <laughs> that's, how, that's how like crazy it is, you know? Uh, so, I mean, this whole POL thing is just the first step to unlock in the sense. And then once we unlock the sense, we can do so much amazing and like, and critically uh, game-changing uh, things in, in this industry. So with the order books using sense, that also means that they're like the open orders are effectively deepening the pools, right? Yes. It's it's hilarious to think about because it's, it's almost comically good. It's like, yes, as orders have been waiting to be executed, they're just, con- people are contributing liquidity to the pools without taking a yield. 
right? The yield goes to the LPs, right? Or, or the uh, single side ask, uh, yield people. So you're, you're providing liquidity. You're saying, don't give me the yield, give it to everybody else, <laughs> which is great for LPs. They're going to love it, obviously. Um, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's a win, 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 win to me. Yeah, totally. Cause that, that extra depth is giving people better swaps. They're not taking the yield. It's going to the existing LPs. So yeah, super crazy. Like how that, how win, win, win that is. And if you think about it, like the older book concept of it's, it's an order book mixed with an AMM. It's like a hybrid model. If you want to think about that, it's all the orders are being executed against the AMM, not, not against other orders. And so everything's being funneled to the AMM and just in a higher liquidity. And, and when you think about like a, a regular order book where you have this kind of staircase looking thing, if you look at the depth charts, right, you have kind of a staircase look to it. Um, uh, all that liquidity that's being used on the edges, the ones that are closer to zero or closer to infinity, whatever, away from the current price, it's just liquidity sitting there doing nothing, right? It doesn't provide anything, doesn't do anything. It's just sitting there. But in Thorchain's design, because it's a AMM you know, order book kind of hybrid, all that liquidity is being active, right? It's being it's participating, it's contributing value, it's contributing purpose, it's increasing the uh, the um, uh, uh, capital efficiency, right, of the network in a sense. And so it's like actually it's, it's a much more efficient use of capital. Sweet Chad, yeah, everyone's definitely looking forward to all that, and it's all kind of built off of this protocol and liquidity, which lets Synth scale that much more than that. On top of that. Is what uh, is where we see single-sided yield and order books and other exciting things built on top of synths come from. So it's all kind of enabled by the, uh, uh, the protocol on liquidity to start scaling the, the the amount of synths that can be generated safely. So right. uh, yeah. So other than other than that, uh, let's just briefly touch on integrations before uh, we let the dash people up because I don't want to keep them waiting. Uh, let's just talk really quickly about uh, what's upcoming. Um, Obviously, there's the Avalanche integration, which is which is happening pretty soon. Uh, also, going live with an aggregator, which we're super excited about, and uh, some some really awesome details of that is going to be announced pretty soon. But every, everyone here is obviously looking forward to the uh, the Avalanche integration, which it's currently in StageNet, so that that's probably you know coming within the next a couple of weeks, uh, I would assume, and uh, and for for Nine Realms, one of our biggest uh, targets right now is doing a lot of integrations with, uh, with wallets and, uh, you know, swap APIs and, and th things like that. Uh, that's a lot of what nine realms focuses on right now and really driving volume. So that's through, uh, you know, chain integrations as well as, you know, in wallet swaps. Cause we think that's a really powerful, uh, just use case for Thorchain people being able to swap native assets, right in their wallet using Thorchain's liquidity pools. So that's kind of what the, the focus is on internally from, from, from Nine Realms, at least with, uh, with integrations. Yeah, and I saw Eridanus uh, saying one cool thing about the Avalanche one, that uh, USDT and USDC will be uh, whitelisted. So sounds like we'll, we'll see pools for those, um, AVAX versions of, of those on, on Thorchain pools. So uh, new, cheap, and fast stablecoins coming. Yep, yeah, going to be great for volume. Yeah, yeah and, and you can you can you know um, arb right like tether with tether at the at that point right. Yeah, more volume. Yeah, that that'll be good all around. Um, <clears throat> also on the integration front, we touched on this at the very beginning, but a lot more people are in here now. But uh, so the trust integration, it was really cool seeing them uh, kind of like being public about that for the first time in a long time. It was rumored since who knows like a year plus ago, but. Sounds like sounds like that's very likely moving forward and something they're like 
really serious about. Um, so potentially seeing Thorchain powered native swaps within Trust Wallet would be mega. So um, I'm sure you guys are uh, working hard to make that happen. Oh yeah, it would be huge. I mean, Trust Wallet is obviously a, one of the you know biggest wallets out there. So integrating with them, just like native support within them, would be, would be naturally just. I don't know if they're intending to do just the swaps, or they're going to implement like liquidity, like adding liquidity and that kind of stuff as well. That I don't know. I'd be. I'd love. I'm going to try to sit down with the with their CEO and kind of hash out those kind of details and such. And and if we can help, I mean. We would love to get some of our engineers kind of to temporarily join the the trust wallet staff and and you know help to contribute and, and get this thing shipped you know as soon as we reasonably can like that'd be that'd be awesome so I, i've already started the process to reach out to the ceo myself and, and start to kind of create a telegram group and, and get our two teams together to start kind of hashing out the details of how that might look or do but uh yeah i'm super excited about that i'd be, be nothing but positive for the for the community and I'll, I'll just throw out there, if there's anyone that's a developer for a wallet or, you know, is in touch with those types of teams, uh, definitely get in touch with ThorChain. You can just send the ThorChain account a DM, send Nine Realms a DM because we're, uh, you know, we're just working hard on doing all these integrations, talking with teams, helping them learn what ThorChain is and how it can, you know, drive revenue towards wallets through affiliate fees. Every time someone makes a swap on, on a wallet, uh, you know, a, na- a native asset swap using Thorchain. Uh, you know, there's no risk to the to the user itself, but it also drives uh, revenue through just every every swap. They get a little bit of an affiliate fee, and uh, it it's a really good partnership. But I think a lot of people just a lot of wallets don't really they don't understand native swaps yet because <laughs> they they're they're just that's just not that that's not their wheelhouse. They're in the they're in the wallet wheelhouse. They uh, you know they'll deal with you know, centralized institutions like, like Changely or your change now, or, uh, you know, like FTX or something like that. So getting decentralized swaps directly in wallets is a really powerful use case. So if anyone here is connected with those teams, definitely send a, a DM to Thorchain or, uh, or to nine realms about getting an integration done. And, uh, we'll, we'll do all the heavy lifting for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's funny like how sometimes when I've when I talked talk to like other teams about, you know, what we do and, and why it's valuable and these things, like sometimes they just have no idea what I'm talking about and they just have a hard time wrapping their heads around the what it is and how it works and why it's important and these things. And sometimes they just like instantly get it and it's just like it's an easy, easy conversation. <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost like I don't understand why people don't get it. Like it's it seems to me like blatantly obvious, but maybe that's just because I've been in the space for long and i'm you know maybe biased uh, metamask made 200 million dollars in 2021 over in-app swaps that's just with erc20s uh being exchanged around and that 0.875 percent fee that that's right that, that's 200 million dollars to the metamask uh you know to metamask's treasury right so it, it's a really powerful thing especially if, you, if it's a uh, multi-chain bitcoin wallet or something like trust wallet something that can really be revenue driving towards the, the wallet business itself and really change the game for that so um yeah i, I mean I, I think that thorchain can make a lot of wallets a lot better so yeah with that let's let's get some of the dash people up here i, I see a marine requesting uh joel's in the audience let's let's get them up i'm curious to learn more about dash now and uh yeah what's going on in that ecosystem said marine 
Hey guys, uh, happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we were all waiting for this space and uh, thank you Miracle, to, to make it happen. And regarding all these integration with integrations with Thor chain, I hope this conversation will eventually shed light on Dash integration to Thor chain and our mutual plans in these terms. So uh, what do you think about this? What, what are our plans and then, and, and, where where are we moving to? Hey, hey. <laughs> so um, so currently the Dash integration is being worked on by uh, the the Dash team. I, I believe I don't know exactly who's doing the integration. It's not Nine Realms or anyone that's with the uh, with with Thorchain itself, but um, it's being worked on by someone on the on the Dash team. Correct? Yeah, I think so. No one no one on Nine Realms is working on it. The, the Dash team has hired somebody. I think they started working on it a while back, and I'm not sure what the current state is. Um, uh, let me find out. Yeah, so it's being worked on by the Dash incubator, and um, Brian in this uh, in this space is kind of heading that thing up. So maybe we can have him request to to speak and kind of give an update on where that's going. Sweet. Do you guys want to give a give an introduction to yourselves really quick? Yeah, I could start. So uh, I'm Joel, and I work for. Uh, entity called the Dash Marketing Hub. Things do get kind of a little bit confusing with Dash because Dash is probably the longest running DAO, decentralized autonomous organization. And so it's when you say like the Dash team, there's quite a few different Dash teams that are all completely independent and independently funded and you know work together, but not like not kind of as a single organization. And so sometimes it's like, hey, there's this guy from that Dash thing, there's that guy from this Dash thing, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, that's kind of what I do. I've been uh, living on crypto since 2015 or so and heavily involved with the Dash community ever since. And yeah. It reminds me a lot of the, the ThorChain team. Where, or, I mean, I see, I'm not familiar with the with how the Dash team is structured. So when I think of it, I think of it just the, the Dash team. But like, you know, other people from outside the ThorChain team wouldn't see the distinction between like Nine Realms and the ThorChain core team and the other teams are working on ThorChains. That's, that's really interesting, actually. I, I do want to learn more about like, how the, the the DAO is uh, you know, kind of structured, and you know you know what teams exist, just to just to learn more about how everything is is organized. So, hi, uh, Ryan. Yeah, um, I hope my sounds okay. Um, I am the what's called the proposal owner for the Dash Incubator, which means, uh, as Joel said, um, in Dash we have we carve away approximately ten percent of our newly issued. Dash um, to a what's called a super block. So most most cryptocurrencies will issue new new coins in blocks of transactions uh, as a subsidy. And Dash is a fork of Bitcoin, so it, it followed that same path. But a few years uh, into the, or maybe even just two or one year into the project, we saw the the need for uh, for us to self fund our project. So instead of taking you know VC money or, or things like that, we just decided you know in, instead of funding our core development teams from outside third parties, we're just going to fund those development teams from our own issuance. 
And so we call that the super block. It happens once a month and anybody is able to submit proposals to to get funding from that super block. So it's uh, approximately 5,000 dash every month that gets sent to anybody that has a compelling proposal. So I imagine in the Thorchain world, if Thorchain had something like that, nine realms would would be proposal submitters and and just be funded through issuance of of rune um, I know that's not how it works there but but that's just to give you an analogy that's kind of how it works with dash is anybody who wants to work for dash submits a proposal to the entire network and our node operators we call them master node operators uh, you would probably just call them node operators they're the ones with stake in the system so each each dash master node, uh, owner is in possession of and, and proves that they're in possession of 1,000 dash, and that gives them one vote in in this super block voting uh, mechanism. And uh, if proposals get uh, a net 10% yes votes, which means yes votes minus no votes is 10% of our total node operators or more, then they get funding. So it's kind of a unique unique way that, that Dash is kind of self-funded. And that's that's uh, how we fund our core development team called Dash Core Group. And that's how uh, I'm also funded uh, with the organization that, that I propose, uh, that I submit proposals for, which is called the Dash Incubator. And that's how this ThorChain integration is being funded is directly through newly issued um, Dash from our super blocks. So that's just kind of the context of, of how it works with Dash. And, uh, you know, before it was before it was a thing, you know, we, we were doing the DAO thing before it was called DAOs. Um, so uh, that's that's something that we we are pretty um, interested in is this whole explosion of, of DAOs now and, and how uh, people can get funded directly from blockchain projects and not through traditional corporations. So it's pretty, uh, pretty exciting to see that whole movement going forward. As far as like the integration itself goes, uh, yeah, we have, we have one single developer that's done in all the work on the ThorChain integration and he's, he's funded through the Dash incubator and we're basically, I think the next step is to just get a security audit. So we weren't quite certain if that was Dash Core Group that should do that, or if there's a third party that anybody can recommend for us to to have do that uh, that audit. That's awesome. Yeah, I see a lot of similarities with ThorChain actually, with like kind of petitioning to get a project uh, funded. Though in ThorChain, that's through the treasury, not through like the reserve uh, block rewards. But definitely some similarities there. And so it sounds like the integration is basically done and should be functional just needs kind of like to move on to the testing and bulletproofing sort of stage. Yeah, that's, that's, that's as far as I understand, you know, I'm, I'm kind of two steps away from that developer. So I'm not fully clued in, but as far as I know, he's, he's done with his job and, you know, there's been a little back and forth of, Oh, we'd like this done. And, and then we do it. And then like this done. So I'm not exactly sure uh, where the progress is, but I think it's pretty much all the way done except for that audit. So yeah, if anybody has any recommendations on security audit firms, we'd be, uh, please uh, DM me. My DMs are open about that. And as, as far as I know, we're, we're on track. So let us know if we're not. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you want to give like a, um, like a, uh, just like a, uh, an overview of Dash and like what it is, in, in what makes it different or interesting? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. Um, so Dash, the, the, the nice th- Dash is laser focused on payments. So I know that 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 Bitcoin Bitcoin used to be more about payments than it is now, uh, and now Bitcoin is more focused on uh, you know just savings essentially store of value. Uh, but Dash has 
has kept that vision of payments alive. We we keep our intent uh, our fees low intentionally to facilitate very very low payments. Uh, our masternode network, which is basically you know you can think of masternodes as validators, except for so Dash is a proof of work coin which means that miners create blocks uh, in Dash and that we use proof of work consensus. But on top of that, uh, we also have this concept of masternodes, which means that part of the block rewards that would normally have gone to miners are directed at masternodes. Uh, So masternodes are, again, those 1,000 Dash holding nodes that operate a node as well. So it's kind of a hybrid proof of work, proof of stake system um, in that sense. And so you get a lot of the benefits of, of proof of work, but with all the benefits of proof of stake, or not all of the benefits of proof of stake, but uh, because you are still using a lot of energy for proof of work. But that's kind of how the, the mechanism goes. But as far as branding and, and target market goes, we are... Uh, <clears throat> We're squarely focused on that payments use case and think that peer-to-peer cash or digital cash, which is where the name Dash comes from, uh, portmanteau of, of digital cash. Um, we think that we're probably, uh, you know, everybody was kind of hoping that that would, that that would take on, to, uh, that the markets, that, that the general population would latch on to cryptocurrencies and use them more. But that's been a challenge. And I think payments have kind of fallen off of that radar. But as far as we're concerned in the Dash community, we're just early still. Um, and uh, like I said in a, in a post that I retweeted about this space, um, it might take a, another crisis or two for the world to, to realize that you actually need cryptocurrency and daily use payments you know, to buy your, buy your cup of coffee and pay that, uh, that contractor to do work on your house uh, or some of the more you know, controversial transactions even uh, that probably be where it starts uh, but but we think that that world is coming especially if, if central bank digital currency currencies really take hold and people are no longer given access to things like traditional cash or privacy um, features in the in their normal monetary systems they're going to reach for digital currencies that offer privacy ease of use uh, low fees and just a great user experience and that's what that's what dash is kind of targeting so yeah I'm I think happy, I would agree happy to answer any specific questions about it but that's that's my overview yeah I, I think I would agree with you that that like using crypto as a payments system has been like not very kind of much focused on maybe with the exception of like UST is kind of like the most recent example of it. Um, but I think you're right in the sense that eventually it will. Like I think right now it's predominantly just a speculative thing. Crypto in general it is, um, especially with Bitcoin, that kind of thing. But I think eventually it's an almost inevitable that it will at some point in time. I don't know when it's going to be, if it's going to be in the next five years or, or 10 or what. I have no idea. But uh, I, I do believe, I do agree with you though, that, that it will it get to that point where crypto will be used for, for actual payment of things rather than just a way of investing. Yeah. And people want to do all the same things that they do with their normal money. They want to be able to earn it. They want to be able to save it and earn a yield on that. And that's why the Dash community is so, so interested in the ThorChain project is, you know, eventually, like you said, you're going to be able to offer single-sided uh, yield uh, on, on all the assets. And that yield is coming from an actual real source, um, you know, that where the market makers are actually getting getting that yield. And it's not just coming from some voodoo, um, 
temporary, not sustainable source just to grab users like so many other projects. Um, so we're really excited about about Thorchain, not not only for that yield opportunity. And I do know that a lot of masternode owners are thinking, hey, you know, I have two, three, maybe maybe more nodes. Uh, I'm gonna maybe drop one of those master dash masternodes and and put it into Rune. Uh, put it into Rune and be a, be an LP for for this project because you know the, you get you get that high yield. It'll probably be higher than than our native um, masternode yield, and so that will be enticing. Plus, you're facilitating exchanges, uh, which you know we're we're full believers in. I don't I don't think anybody nobody is really a super hardcore Dash maxi in the sense that, you know, it's just Dash and, and only Dash and everything else is a shitcoin. Uh, we do believe that for the most part, this is my sense of the community, that, you know, let all the let all the currencies bloom and, and just use them for their specific use cases. And that's why, again, ThorChain is going to be important. And anybody, any coin that doesn't want to be part or doesn't feel like ThorChain is a good thing because, you know, it opens up other coins, I just don't know what to tell them because if you have if you have faith in your own project, you should be thinking, hey, I want to open the door for any other coin to be able to transfer into my coin. So we're excited for all the the Bitcoin people and the Litecoin people, maybe not Litecoin, they they might be able to spend their own things, uh, you know, with lower fees. Uh, but all the all the people that that want to actually use their currency, use their crypto in the real world, which is what we're we're targeting, they'll be able to, they'll be able to seamlessly trans transfer into Dash and 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 use that. And they don't even have to tell anybody that they're doing that. <laughs> so where where can you buy Dash currently? Is it it's only available on centralized exchanges and like you know to buy locally? It, it's a it's one of the older coins, right? So it's it's available on almost all the major major centralized exchanges. Uh, and as far as decentralized exchanges, uh, you know, I, honestly, I don't know uh, what other decentralized exchanges were, were were part of because my focus has been Thorchain. I think it's going to be the one that wins at the end. Um, but it's it's possible that we're already on that. And there are a lot of like there are a lot of companies. Uh, maybe somebody else could help me out with some of these specific ones. I like Thor, uh, not ThorSwap, but uh, Simple Swap, things like that that we've been able to use uh, because Dash is integrated into those. But they're not, you know, fully decentralized. They're they're just uh, like uh, Shapeshift was one of the early uh, exchanges, and that's basically you know Shapeshift, as far as I understand, is going to be using ThorChain as the back end. But Shapeshift was on Dash. Or Dash was on Shapeshift a long time ago, and that was the main main way to easily get into into Dash or out of Dash. Um, before you know, before Thorchain uh, hopefully integrates Dash, and uh, that's what I used to to get into Dash personally. Is I used Shapeshift to get into to Dash, and and that's that's been many many years ago. But all of those solutions still exist, as far as I know. But but yeah, we are on all the major centralized exchanges uh, still. Uh, not all of them, because some of them have been delisting privacy coins, which is a shame. But uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I'm curious to ask you more about that privacy coin aspect. Um, can you can you do you have a good understanding of uh, how the privacy aspect works? Like, how does it how does it actually accomplish a privacy transaction? Yeah, so so Dash was, as far as I know, the first coin to actually focus on privacy. So the short history of Dash is that it started uh, being called uh, well, X coin for just a few weeks or months or something like that, but then it became Dark coin. So the initial use case of, of Dash was was this dark feature where 
we had because we had master nodes, we were able to to make an in protocol coin join implementation that that added several features to coin join to make it really easy and and really cost effective and non custodial um, and have that coin join feature that that a lot of people are still using in other projects but other projects usually have to you know use a third party mixer where you're sending sending your coins to them and then you, you hopefully you get them back and I don't know I'm not an expert on all the other projects and what what progress they've made but at the time dash was the first first project to be able to do in protocol coin join transactions using the masternode network as the mixing service. And so we still have that feature. It's, it's, it's showing its age a little bit and, and several people in the community have, have tried to make, uh, and, and we have actually made several improvements to this, the traditional coin join, but that's essentially what it is, is you're, you're mixing coins. So in your, in the main wallet, what you'd see is, you'd see a button that says, um, well, it used to say private send. That used to be how we branded it, but we've since re- kind of just rebranded it or unbranded it to just coin join. So that it's, well, a little bit less off of the radar of some of the centralized exchanges. So they don't delist us because we're just doing basically the same kind of feature as coin join people. So why should we be delisted when they're not? Um, but there is that benefit to the Dash users that, that it's very easy and and you don't have any risk in in doing your coin joins and it's very cheap. So uh, I guess the they probably the, those centralized exchanges that are delisting us probably are doing so because not because it's necessarily uh, a hugely different technology, but because they know that it facilitates this privacy very easily, and they don't want people easily being having access to privacy. So. Uh, I don't know where that question, if I answered that question, but uh, that's, that's, yeah, it's essentially coin join implementation with, with improvements that, that are very cheap, cool. fast, viable, and uh, non-custodial. And by the way, the, the, the Thorchain community has to think about that aspect too, because uh, once this network adds, you know, a privacy token, especially ones that are, are, that are more widely used, like, like Monero or whatever, but but once you add a privacy token, that, that just puts this network into a different, you know, a different book within the regulator's perspectives, right? So we have to be ready. We have to be. We have to make sure we've reached a, a certain level of decentralization of this network to to ensure that we protect it uh, uh, with every every way methodology that we can. That that you know, if regulators were to come down on it, then we would be prepared and, and ready for it. Yeah, and I think that I think that Dash is actually a great segue for you to test those waters because, like I said, in terms of technology, we're not actually offering anything substantially different than, than Bitcoin offers, that Litecoin offers, that some of these other projects that have coin join implementations offer. Because if you look at it on a on a traditional block explorer, it just it looks a Dash uh, mixing transaction and coin join transaction looks very similar to a Bitcoin or Litecoin mixing transaction. It's just that it's facilitated in a lot easier way. 
Um, so, so that's, that's kind of the, uh, the argument that you could make and that we have had to make to centralized exchanges that, that want to delist us. And we have been successful in that. Some, some centralized exchanges, when we make this, this case, when we, when we show them what's actually happening, they do go ahead and relist us. Um, so it is a pretty good middle ground for, for ThorChain to test the waters with as far as privacy features go. But I would also hope that ThorChain you know, is and or at least will become decentralized enough for 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 you to just not have to worry about regulators and what they want, and rather worry about what your users want instead. And so, I've been actually really really happy to see you guys kind of fearlessly moving into that privacy uh, space where you're you're looking at uh, Monero and you're looking at Haven and and these other projects that offer privacy and just kind of moving forward with that. So. Like, thank you for that. I don't think there's any other decentralized exchanges looking into that at all. And uh, there's really no one that's leading the charge in in decentralized trading for for not only privacy tokens, but for everything, including including Bitcoin. And that's really the focus at ThorChain is integrating uh, just high quality tokens. We can integrate any any chain, any any token, you know? Yeah. I think the the community as a whole is like so aligned with it, Um, you know, ideological ideology the ideology of it it's just a matter of like yeah like understanding the risks and being ready for it and all of that but yeah the community is like super behind it and ultimately also it comes down to the node operators right like who will have millions of dollars at stake basically and they'll have to ultimately like vote to push anything through that could you know whether they see it as a threat or whether they see it as a huge positive like ultimately it'll come down um to them, yeah. yeah my, my my viewpoint's always been that like Thorchain itself should be should remain neutral about its feelings towards a particular chain. Like it shouldn't have a viewpoint whether or not you know um, this chain is good or this chain is bad or or like whatever. The only thing that it really cares about really is is um, is this chain secured or does it cause you know some, some sort of security related issues to be concerned about where the network itself would become insecure um, and, and that kind of stuff. And so. Um, things like Monero and whatever, like it's just part of the idea of like we don't care if you're if you're you know if you're a privacy chain or not. Like we're not gonna we're not gonna you know eliminate you because we don't we don't believe in your vision, whatever your vision might be. Like that's how that's how I feel the network should be, right? Uh, I mean, personally, I love privacy chains. I think they're great. I think they're essential. I think they're part of uh, what, what gives people their liberty and freedom. But that's just my personal viewpoint. And, but the network itself, idealistically, should should just be neutral and just accept whatever chains the community wants to accept to have, whether they're privacy or not, whether they're, you know, payment chains or store values, whether they're EVMs, whether like it doesn't matter. Like all, the, whatever the attributes are, it doesn't really matter to the, to the network itself. All it matters is just providing a basic and, 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 and critical piece of infrastructure for the entire industry. Yeah, I think that's the right. I think that's the right approach. Um, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't mention this, but, but Dash is actually, it's optionally private. So if you, if you want transparency, you just, it's basically a normal Bitcoin type transaction that's, that's shown on the chain and everything. So it's, it's different than, than Zcash or, or Monero. And well, it's, I guess like it's the same as Zcash in that sense, but different than Monero. Um, so it's up yeah. to, we, we have the same idea. We have the same stance is that we should be, we should be a neutral platform, not force people into privacy uh, but give them the option of privacy, and there is that there is that debate that that always kind of flares up of whether we should be default privacy or default um, transparency, and and we are default 
uh, transparency with optional privacy. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard because in the case of a coin join, the privacy of that coin join is relative to the amount of funds and transactions that are happening. So if there's only like two people interacting with a coin join, you know, it's pretty easy to unwind it and figure out who's who and what, what's actually tr- transpiring underneath it. And so the more people, more volume may have passing through a coin join, the more inherently the more privacy, the more private it gets. And so when you make it def- default transparent, inherently the number of transactions in the in the privacy the aspect of it will be inherently lower. Private itself, mathematically speaking. And same thing with like Zcash, it, you know, everything that's a T address or a Z address has that same idea. Whereas Monero comes from the other mentality of like, well, if, if everything is a part of the same kind of coin join, although Monero is not a coin join, but for the sake of discussion, it is, uh, then it becomes a lot more, more difficult to unwind it and see, you know, who sent what, what money to what address at what point. Right. Yeah. The, the practice would be on, on the dash side. If you want to, if you want to swap dash into something else, um, on Thorchain, you, you would just mix your coins with, with several, you know, 10, maybe even 10 plus round of mixing. And then it's almost, it's basically impossible at that point to, to trace the, the source of those, of those funds. But when you go through, uh, Thorchain, I'm not sure. I haven't really thought through how that's going to work as far as people going from Bitcoin into, well, people going from Bitcoin into Dash, you obviously don't have the privacy on the Bitcoin side. You get, you then, uh, Thorchain swap into Dash. And then you just want to, like, the first thing that you'd want to do is just start mixing your coins on the Dash, uh, on your Dash. Uh, desktop wallet before you did any transactions, you'd have privacy that way. So uh, yeah, coming in like the actual swap itself on Thorchain, you know, you're going to see exactly what's going on. But um, yeah, that's correct. And after, yeah, we 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 discussed for a while about the idea of privacy on on Thorchain, and, and the more we thought about it, the more uh, it just didn't make sense for what this project needs to accomplish. It just became like privacy is very difficult to accomplish. Like it it. It, it's oftentimes it's easier to on paper than it is in implementation. And when you, once you implement it, like I am quite confident that a lot of, you know, a three letter government agencies could probably break through most forms of, you know, private transactions in, in the crypto space, I would say must probably true. And so like, it's really hard to accomplish. And we just kind of said to ourselves that like, we're not privacy experts. We're not, you know, in that sense. And so, Let's rely on the people that are privacy experts, whether that be Monero or, or Dash or Zcash or, or whatever it might be, Secret Networks, whatever. They're the privacy experts. Let them do what they do well. We'll do what we do well. And then we'll use composability to, to, to get the best of both worlds. Yeah, I think, again, I think that was the right choice because it costs a lot to give privacy as well, right? It's even if... <laughs> Whether that's dev resources or actual transaction costs, you know, it's just there's a high cost. So I, I don't think that Thorchain needs to do that. And you know, once you're what if you're transacting from from a coin or to a coin, you, you get your privacy that way. The, the 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 swap doesn't have to be private. I don't think so. Good choice on that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and again, uh, we we're we're more focused on mainstream adoption than than privacy privacy is a part of mainstream adoption because everybody everybody wants some degree of privacy and and CoinJoin can offer you that that uh variability it's not binary it's just 
you know, you just, if you just care about having, uh, not having your barista see that you just made a transaction that came from a million dollar input, you know, you could just do a few, yeah, a few, few rounds of mixing or, you know, I, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't do more rounds than that, but, but you have that variability and, uh, we we don't we don't need that 100%. I don't think anybody needs that 100% privacy because the, you're just going to have enormous costs to 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 achieve that. But you do want pretty well, you do want that pretty good privacy. You want you want that really good privacy. And and we 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 offer that and you know other coins offer that as well, but I don't think that the exchanges need to offer that necessarily. Yeah, I guess it depends on like who you trying to get privacy from. Is it is it the barista that you're buying a coffee from? Is it the, you know, IRS slash NSA, you know, government level stuff like that comes into the question of like, well, how much do you want privacy? How private do you want to get? Right. Yeah. Yep. I do have some questions about, uh, so you're, you're talking about, uh, you know, mass adoption of, of Dash and I assume that's through payments. So I'm, I'm wondering like how Dash pay, uh, works and how, like, how did, how does Dash, see itself getting to uh you know this mass adoption for for payments and so i see your, i'm doing all the speaking uh, so to, i'm wondering to... if somebody else wants to to take all some of these questions uh ernesto are you are you raising your hand yeah feel i was gonna i, I saw you're waiting a while sorry about that uh feel free to intro yourself and chime in hi guys um yeah this is ernesto uh i work for dash core group i'm the head of business development and have been doing marketing recently. Um, first of all, thank you for uh, putting this together and, and having us here. Um, I just wanted to start by saying that besides everything that my Dash partners have said today, uh, I would like to say that, you know, we're in Dash, we're, we're just in love with freedom, you know, with freedom to use our money. We're, we're freedom believers. And, and part of it is being able to use our money in the way we want, in, in any way we want. And, and you know, privacy or, or keeping no CIs out of your transactions is one component of it. And being able to use it as much as possible is, is how we've been, uh, what we've been focusing on for the past years. Um, in terms of what we've done, um, I'd say that number one, as you can see, there's several uh, teams working in the Dash ecosystem. And, and today you've heard from Joel from the marketing hub, Rion from the uh, incubator, uh, Marina and myself from the core team. And, and there's many, many others that I see in the, in the chat room. And, you know, that's, that's part of the freedom that we're working on. And what this enables is that we all see different opportunities and have the ability to go after them. Um, we've done a lot of work in, in places where um, financial freedom is, is obviously not working, like, like emerging markets and, and broken economies. And, you know, that has taught us a lot of lessons that we're also now putting in, in, in application into places where, you know, it's not that obvious. Um, uh, you know, I don't want to open arguments, but it's not that obvious that you need the freedom to pay right now. So, for example, in the U.S., there's a team that developed an app called Dash Direct that allows you to, on the spot, use Dash to pay anywhere or in most places that uh, the gift card rails are built. So this allows that today you can go to up to 160,000 locations in the U.S. 
and use Dash to acquire anything from, you know, books to some grocery places to your lunch and so on without the need for KYC. So, you know, those people that want to uh, stay safe on their uh, using of funds can use this type of solution. And, you know, as well, we've got teams working and activities done in, in Europe. We just launched exchange in, in, in Poland that has a card, so you can also go that route. We've also done a lot of integrations where you can go directly into stores and pay with Dash. So, um, yeah, we're tackling as many use cases to to allow people the freedom of using their money, and, and that's one of the reasons uh, we love Torchain so much, and, and I, I think um, I said it to Chad when I, when I met you and at Consensus, you know, we're aligned in that sense that you know, the freedom of being able to choose where and how you want to use your money is something that we both value. And as you can see, that's one of the main reasons why we're all so bullish and happy to be uh, talking to Torchin and hopefully being able to use Torchin to enable a lot of the use cases we've been working on for years in Dash. Let me ask you a question just out of curiosity. This is for any of the Dash people. Um, have you guys thought about uh, stable coins in the context of Dash? If, 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 if the idea is to have a payments rail and be able to you know pay for everyday mm-hmm. things, and it might make sense more for your project than your average project uh, to do some kind of stable. Have you guys thought about that internally, or talked about it, or discussed? Yeah, yeah. I'll give you know one of the answers, and and I'll start by saying that just like the privacy discussion that was being happened, that was being. Uh, that, that was being done, there you will find different voices and different opinions inside of the Dash ecosystem. Um, from what I've personally seen and heard, especially by leading work in, in broken economies, stable coins are highly valued because, you know, if you're in Argentina where inflation is going close to 100% per year, well, people don't want to go into uh, another coin, even though it's more free than the Argentinian peso because they fear losing value. So that's what they're running away. So on those cases, it is you know more of a pressing necessity. And then there's other places where there's a little bit more of disposable income and people could be a little bit more okay with the fluctuations of, of uh, cryptocurrency. So uh, the, the short answer is we've spoken about this in several forums and, and uh, it is something that would be uh, potentially good in many use cases, but there's not a solid answer right now on to, on to how to approach it. Um, we're at the moment heavily focused on uh, releasing a new version of Dash that's called uh, Dash Platform or, or previously known as Dash Evolution that's going to lay the groundwork for many of other innovations eventually uh, uh, th- that eventually could be a way of finding out uh, a solution of, of stability. But uh, short answer is we've talked about it. There's no consensus on uh, how we could do it now. And we, we want to make sure that we get the foundations for building that or other solutions in the future. I don't know if Rion or, or Joel want to add something there. Uh, I'll add to, to that a little bit. Um I always consider stable coins, uh, I just drop the B out of that, and I, I consider them stale coins. <laughs> so instead of stable coins, it's a stale coin. 
Um, and obviously stability is great in a bear market and a crypto bear market. You want, you, you flee to safety um, because you you're afraid that the value will drop. But uh, if, if that's our mentality that uh, we don't think that we can actually outperform us dollars or euros or yen, then we have a bigger problem. <laughs> Uh, so our goal is at least my goal. I can only speak for myself, but my goal is to really focus on making making Dash a coin uh, in an econ- making a Dash economy first of all, so that the the value of the economy, the Dash economy, increases such that that eventually finds its way into the value of the token. So if you provide real real world utility, that will eventually find its way into value of the token. Uh, so that's that's my focus, and and stable coins just drags you down in that goal. Um, and I understand that um, you know ninety percent or whatever percent of this market right now is speculation, but that's going to fade, and will be uh, scarcity and utility that really win the day and uh, increase your value. So uh, stable coins in in that sense. They just they drag you down. And one other thing about it is there are other projects that are really focused on stable coins, and they can probably build a stable coin if if that's your focus. You'll probably be able to build a better stable coin than than uh, one some other project. So I don't think that we need seventeen different stable coins. I think we need to kind of rally around one stable coin or or, or a collection of stable coins and. Maybe you could answer this. Actually, um, I heard something about Thorchain building a stable coin, and, and that would be an, an ideal solution for us. For uh, if we wanted to add some kind of stability mechanism, or, uh, even a slider, you know, a stability slider in our in our wallets, people could just abstract away that um, what's going on under the hood and just. They want fifty percent stability so that the volatility is cut in half. They just their wallet would hold fifty percent dash, fifty percent stable coin, and you know then they have exposure to either side or you know some spectrum of that. But we wouldn't have to build the stable coin. We just abstract it away in the wallet. Yeah, we we looked into the idea of building a stable coin predominantly because uh, we had a, a lending design that was very. Uh, very different, very innovative, and we needed a stable coin to be the debt asset for the loan, or for the loan to be uh, as effective as we want it to be. And we could have used an external asset like Tether or any, you know, any stable coin out there, but that would have, would have created a dependency of the network on some external asset that's not in the control of the network, and it would be, it would probably create more tax service than it would have been would have been worth. And so we. Put together a, a unique stablecoin design that's that's never really been done before in the way that we designed it. Very innovative, uh, novel rather, and uh, so we're, we were interested in, interested in that. Um, whether that still happens or not, it's a kind of debatable because the community needs to determine if this is something we want. This is a direction we want to head in, or or not a direction we want to head in. It's up to the community to decide such things. We'll probably be talking about it publicly and and putting it to a vote. You know. Maybe next month, uh, possibly. Maybe a month later. I'm not really quite sure. But uh, whenever we get done with these kind of major new features we've been talking about, these uh, POL, single-sided, and um, order books, so we'll probably be pushing on to Thorify stuff, including this uh, stablecoin design. Yeah, regarding the whole stablecoin thing, uh, 
it's kind of interesting to see different uh, perspectives on that because uh, to some it seems like like it's everything like for example the trader perspective it seems to be very kind of important to always have something like that uh, one of the key adoption i guess sources of adoption we've seen has been people concerned about inflation and problems with their you know their own government stable coins so to speak being unstable and i mean we have like a 10% loss of value per year, whatever it's at now, that starts to become kind of an issue. But uh, as uh, Ryan was saying, I do think that that is one thing that I was remembering when I was looking into Thorify is that the ability to have like a stable coin and kind of be able to go in and out of that, that seems like it's kind of like a, a solution rather than, you know, building your own you know, native stable coin on your own, like every single network has its own stable coin. It would, you know, be very efficient to be able to just go in from Dash to a stable coin or something like that. But, you know, beyond that, um, I don't, it would be kind of interesting to see people uh, explore the concept of a stable coin that is actually stable, that is not constantly declining with the dollar value as the dollar would be the king of the, you know, government currencies. It would be nice to be able to, you know, engineer something that could kind of keep a, a constant value more or less resistant to, you know, the decline due to inflation, for example. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. And, and very interesting debate there. Um, it's like I said before, everything depends on who you ask and where they are, because for those people that live in dollar denominated countries, the stability is, you know, put into test with, with that, you know, 7 or 8% inflation that, that's going to happen this year, for example. But if you go outside of those countries, you know, where the, where the other almost 6.9 6 billion people are living, uh, many of them look to the dollar as a more stable peg to whatever they have on their hands, you know, whether that's the euro especially the euro now or but you know it's so so before it used to be limited to the to the turkeys the greece the venezuelans of the world but right now it, it's the the stability depends very much on who you're asking so yeah it's it's a very complex decision i would say and and i believe there's not a right decision there there will be just a better approach to take it and uh, again that that's why personally i'm so bullish on on the tour chain um, enablement because whether that's through an internal swap that happens and then you change from Dash to locking up dollar coins or or, or you find something else, this capability of, of changing without a central point of failure and without having to ask permission for a government to, to open up a exchange account is given more freedom. Uh, you know, despite of a person being in the U.S. or or in Argentina or Venezuela, for example. A question for you guys: What uh, what wallets do Dash users use currently? Because uh, you know, if when if Dash does eventually get integrated into Thorchain and the integration is successful, uh, you know, people would really like to just swap directly with their their own wallet. Say, is, is there any multi-chain uh, Dash wallets out there? They're just Dash wallets. How does that work? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll just quickly say this, and uh, on on Rion's comment previously, we're integrated right now into about 200 exchanges globally, and most of the large uh, or the most well-known wallets also carry Dash. You know, whether that's Trust Wallet, Exodus, and of course the uh, 
the our own uh, Dash Core uh, wallet and the mobile Dash wallet. Awesome. So that's that's prime for like the the trust wallet door chain integration. Then our rails are already up. Yep. Yeah. yeah also, cares. also the Edge wallet, which is one of the OGs in in the space. They've they've had Dash for quite a while. So yeah, most most of the multi coin. Uh, if it if it supports multiple coins, it probably supports Dash. It's been Dash has been around since. 2013 2014 or 15 so one of the larger one of the longer standing projects og og uh, blockchain network i guess right yep yeah and actually just wanted to take one opportunity to address what might be kind of an elephant in the room uh dash dash used to be if you believe it if you were around then dash used to be a number three the number three coin Bitcoin, uh, Ethereum, Dash. Uh, so what's what's going on? Why, why is Dash? Dash is now about 75th place. Um, so I, I can imagine that some people might think, is Dash relevant today still? And I would echo kind of one of my earlier comments about that, which is uh, we probably are still too early. <laughs> but a year, two years, there's three, five, ten down the road, people are going to want uh, they're going to want a, a coin that they can actually transact in and, and buy real world goods and services with. So that's kind of uh, why I think uh, we might have slipped quite a ways down by now. Um, but definitely, we're going to be a relevant player in the next. You know, we have a very long term vision, and. Um, how many coins are there that have stood the, the test of time and been in the top 100 for what eight years now? They're probably not many. I, they're probably you, you could probably count that on your hands. So, uh, yeah, I think I think Dash is, is going to remain relevant for a long time, and we're probably going to become even more relevant when you know this global macro economy is not looking good. Everyone, right? Uh, chances are, governments are going to have to just print their way out of this and. You know, they're going to crack down on other coins. They're going to crack down on, or they're going to crack down. Yeah, they're probably going to crack down on on their own currencies, US, US dollar cash, Euro, Euro cash. Um, it's a scary future. So what what alternatives do we have? You know, when when we see the, the path and the trend that, that our national currencies are going down. Yeah, and I should uh, add to this. So since 2015... I've been uh, living exclusively off of cryptocurrency. I have not been paid in fiat currency since then. And of course, back in the day, what, what do you use? You'd use Bitcoin. And it was during the the block size wars, like a little bit before that really started to heat up when the, the chain started to get slow and everything. And I couldn't continue to use Bitcoin to live my everyday life. And that's the entire reason I got into Dash is because I was literally just looking for some way to not have to come crawling back to the bank, asking for my bank account back again. And so Dash was the only thing that worked for me at the time. And every year since then, I've always reevaluated the choice of like, what do I want to do? How, what tools work best for trying to live this like fiat-free lifestyle? And over the years, I mean, I'm, that's one of the reasons I'm still around is because I keep on evaluating things. And it's, there's nothing that's easier to like live on as an everyday money today, both in terms of like the core technology and in terms of like the services and the ease of use and everything available to me. And so it's something that is kind of like there's been just a few hardcores trying to do this over the years, but I'm starting to see a lot more people kind of jump into this experience in the last couple of years, especially. It's really put 
you know, for lack of a better term, the fear of God in some people when they start seeing what's going on in the world in terms of, you know, the econ- global economy, censorship, inflation, things like that. And so this thing is really starting to basically the potential customer base that I think that we were many years too early for, you know, even Bitcoin pivoted to more of a store of value kind of thing, because I guess that's just, it's easier to get people to do that than to change their entire lifestyles and their everything to try to, you know, live off of something other than the banking system. And so I'm seeing like the customer base kind of grow up over time, as far as like a a group of people that actually want to live in on and use cryptocurrency and decentralized digital assets. And the thing is that's a great, you know, intersection with projects like ThorChain, the whole DeFi space is, you know, people, despite trying to use peer-to-peer electronic cash, however they can, would still end up having to resort to old financial institutions. And in that kind of thing, I would include the CFI world, like the centralized exchanges and that. But now that DeFi is becoming viable, and you know, I think that ThorChain personally is the one I use the most and is definitely, you know, at the very tip of the spear, so to speak, it's very, it's at the leading edge of all that. I think that finally we're having, you know, digital cash and decentralized finance married into something with good integrations and end user products and things like that to where now it makes me a little bit more confident to be able to encourage people to start taking some of their, like their actual, like regular financial activity and moving it on to completely decentralized monies and networks and things like that. Let me ask you a question. Sorry, curiosity. Like, how does Dash compare to something like the Lightning Network? Because I think those two things are probably in the same ring, trying to figure out like payments and, and, and fast and cheap transactions and such. Like, how do those two things compare in your mind? Yeah. So, um, as someone, I, I do use Lightning now and again. I used to run my own node and stuff. Um, the big difference is uh, Dash transactions are Dash obviously scales on chain. Transactions are a fraction of a cent, and they're meant to kind of remain that way. And because of the special functionality called instant send, they're basically fully finalized in uh, a couple seconds. And so that means you can take Dash from your cold storage to your mobile wallet to a purchase for a coffee or something, and then the merchant has that and moves their that into their cold storage, and that entire process can be completely secure in just like 10 seconds or so if their thumbs are flying that fast. So the difference with Lightning, Lightning has a very variable kind of user experience depending on kind of what you're doing. On the, if you want to run it completely in like a decentralized, like trust minimized kind of way, you need to be opening closing channels and managing liquidity. And that requires a lot of on-chain transactions, a lot of technical knowledge, a lot of things like that. The kind of more modern uh semi-trustless wallets still tend to be plugged into a central service provider that provides liquidities, opens channels, things like that, and kind of provides a much easier user experience. However, um, any there's only one, as far as I'm aware, other than perhaps you know, multi-sig, there's only one Dash address format. You can always send Dash to any other Dash user anywhere in the world, and it just will always work. Lightning at this stage of the game, especially, but I would contend maybe longer term depends on how things shake out of uh, you cannot be sure that you can send to another lightning user always sometimes it will route perfectly sometimes it won't route sometimes there's the fees are all over the place 
Uh, and depending on your service provider, they might actually start having to charge fees to you know make a business off of this stuff. And I've noticed this with, for example, the Phoenix wallet is the one I use most on Lightning. Fees are becoming more expensive than on-chain these days. It's so the kind of basically the customer experience, the end user experience for Dash is instant and very cheap and very secure. And that's just kind of unchangeable. Whereas with Lightning, it helps to have stuff set up. Like you have to move it off of your cold storage, off your hardware wallet or whatever. You open up channels, do things like that. And that takes some time and that takes some extra fees. And then depending on who you want to pay and how much it is and things like that, there's a whole bunch of different variables that could really affect your user experience in the end, which is you know why a lot of uh, a lot of users end up with centralized providers and things like that because they would rather just give up a little bit of their financial freedom to have that smooth user experience than kind of have to manage all that kind of stuff on their own. So that's kind of basically the as far as you know from the end user perspective the the difference between the two. Yeah, I'll also add something else from my experience. Uh, last year I went to El Salvador. And I was really excited to be in a place where I could finally test lightning in, in real world settings. And uh, what Joel said is completely true. Um, I had a little bit of trouble using lightning in one place versus the other. But besides that, for me as a user, the biggest difficulty was in that moment when I finished my funds on lightning that I had to top up from on-chain into lightning. That took a long time. And, and, you know, depending on where you're sending your, your Bitcoin from, it can go from, you know, minimum 10 minutes to up to two hours, which is what I had to wait. So um, I think Lightning is, is going an interesting route for Bitcoin. But it seems to me that the whole nature of Bitcoin, of being more of a store of value, kind of puts blocks on that development, whereas... Dash was born to be digital cash, and that's our sole focus. So I, I think in many ways we complement each other. And uh, in user friendliness, at least from my experience in El Salvador last year, uh, Dash outperformed. Awesome, guys. I want to thank you all so much for coming on uh, and just sharing your experiences with Dash and talking a little bit about um, you know what Dash offers to the entire space and uh, how an upcoming ThorChain integration can just really synergize with that with that vision. So, uh, yeah, thank, thanks again for coming up, guys. And, uh, yeah, feel, feel free to get in touch anytime, uh, you know, if you want to come up on these on these spaces again. The recording will, uh, recordings will come out on, on RuneBase. You can also listen just on Twitter. Uh, so you can listen on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, the RuneBase podcast it's posted under. Uh, as well as YouTube and, and stuff like that. So we host these every Friday at 12 p.m. just talking about DoorChain mostly. Uh, so if anyone ever has any questions, sorry, we didn't even get to audience questions today, but uh, <laughs> next week, I guess, uh, we can we can get up to that. So, uh, yeah, th thanks, everybody. Thank you, guys. Thanks, thanks everyone. See you. Thank you.